started to think of the wall as as uh, as kind of an interesting thing. That's Solowet, the late great conceptual artist. Born in 1928, he was a pretty prolific guy, producing drawings, sculptures, art books, and so much more from the 1960s up until his death in 2007. He's one of the most fascinating and influential artists of his, or maybe any era. He was one of those artists who could make something as mundane as a white wall into something truly compelling. And I'm Desan Lopez Cassell. I'm a writer, curator, and a pretty big Solowit fan myself. I remember learning about Lowit's work as an art history major in college, and just being fascinated by his emphasis on systems and repetition, as well as the simple elegance of his drawings and sculptures. But what sealed the deal for me was the summer I spent interning at Mass Mocha, leading tours of their Solowit galleries, a long-term installation of 105 of the artist's large-scale wall drawings. Walking through those galleries each day gave me a chance to really think about the possibilities of simple but radical gestures. Solowit is an artist whose work you can really dive deep into. You might see one of his works in a museum, an office building, or someplace further afield, like on the walls of a chapel in the middle of a vineyard in Italy. And it's easy to become taken with their precision. And then you find out what's behind it, how it came to life, and suddenly you're seeing it in a new way. Each artwork, which might appear to be a pattern of straight or curvy lines of differing widths and colors, suddenly becomes so much more once you start to understand the process behind it. And that's what we're going to explore in this podcast series, which we're calling Variations on a Theme. look at some of the key themes in LeWitt's body of work, then explore how other people have responded to them in all sorts of fields, incorporating his influence into their creative work and pushing it forward. This podcast is a companion to an app from the estate of Solowit, which was developed in close collaboration with Microsoft. It uses state-of-the-art technology platforms like artificial intelligence to really help immerse users in Lowit's life, artworks, and process. You can download it now, wherever you get your smartphone apps. There's tons to explore there. But here on the podcast, we'll be taking a step back and asking why and how this artist became so influential. For this first episode, I'm speaking to Daniel Hume, the renowned chef behind Eleven Madison Park, about the ways in which he's found inspiration in Solowit's art and process, especially Lowit's wall drawings. But first, let's hear a little more about that from the artist himself. When I started doing these wall drawings, uh, most of them were of a, a scope and uh, uh, size that I couldn't do myself. And anyway, they were kind of a mechanical sort of thing. And so I, I had people work along with me to do them. Then I had the um, kind of idea that I could... Uh, give a person a plan and that uh, he could do it if he knew the technique. If you're not an art history nerd, that's totally okay. The most important thing to note here is that Solowit was coming up at a time when artists were really rebelling against the spirit of abstract expressionism, which in the 1940s and 50s had been a huge part of so-called American art. Artists like Jackson Pollock and Willem de Kooning had been making art in ways that were extremely physical. 
There was this big cult of personality around them and a sense of machismo around how they created their work. Both minimalism and conceptualism emerged in the 1960s and 70s when artists were looking to shift cultural weight from objects to ideas, from gestures to concepts. While this might not sound like such a big deal now, at the time, this was pretty radical. Let's go back to Lewitt. For instance, people who had worked with me at, uh, previously uh, knew how to make these um, parallel lines. Uh, that worked out okay. Uh, each person that did it did it a little differently because uh, of uh, each person is a different person. And I kind of liked the idea that uh, they had a different personality. They were still, I felt, my work. Long story short, It's the idea that's the artwork here. And that's kind of what made us want to talk about Solowit with a chef. Someone who works with recipes or instructions all day long. With the final creation being what shows up on the plate. Their art, at its core, is defined by being impermanent and reproducible. And that means it has the capacity to change, ever so slightly, each and every time it's made. Eleven Madison Park is one of the world's great restaurants. The name is its address. It's on the ground floor of a historic building on the east side of Madison Square Park in Manhattan's Flatiron District. You go for an ambitious and at times theatrical multi-course tasting menu, prepared in a kitchen led by the chef Daniel Hume. He's received three Michelin stars and two James Beard Awards for his cooking there, which, if you follow fine dining, you'll know means... That's kind of as good as it gets. But if dishes like their famous lavender and honey glazed duck, or black truffles and celery root cooked in a pig's bladder, are the star of the show, then the art featuring prominently throughout the restaurant is the brilliantly cast supporting act. You actually enter the main dining room by stepping over a sculpture by the artist Daniel Turner. A minimalist slab made of pots, pans, and stove parts from the restaurant's old kitchen, melted down after the last renovation in 2017. That renovation really brought visual art into focus. Throughout the space, you'll find works from contemporary artists like Rita Ackerman, Olympia Scary, and Rashid Johnson. And then there's the Solowit, wall drawing number 768, which covers the walls of the restaurant's private dining room. Just imagine being completely immersed in a brightly colored abstract work I'd absolutely recommend looking it up. Though all the art at EMP, as it's known in the industry, is thoughtfully chosen, the Lewitt feels especially on point and personal, born out of Daniel's friendship with Solowit's daughter, Sophia. Here's Daniel. You know, when she had dinner here, she said, you know, my dad would have loved to be part of this reincarnation of of 11 Madison Park. Speaking to Daniel over Skype from the restaurant's dining room, I could see why Sophia saw her father's art as a natural fit for the space, and also why Daniel feels such a strong connection to the wit. There's some pretty undeniable parallels between what's happening in Daniel's kitchen and what Lewitt often cooked up in his own studio. So while Daniel has really made his mark with food, he's super passionate about art. 
He has been ever since he was a young boy in Switzerland. And he's made sure it stays a big part of his life, even as cooking became his craft. Every city I would go to, I would I would make sure I visit the museums or, or the foundations of certain artists. Or I, I just started to see the world through, through art as well as food. It wasn't until Daniel moved to the U.S. as an adult that he really discovered LeWitt. After some years cooking in San Francisco, he landed in New York in 2006 to take over the kitchen at EMP. He saw Lewitt's work at institutions like the Albright Knox in Buffalo and Dia Beacon in the Hudson Valley. And he says he was mesmerized. I really wanted to learn uh, as much as I could about his work. And, and, and it's been a gift that's been keep giving. So it's been beautiful to be inspired by his work. And I wanted to ask you about when you first started to understand like the process behind Solowitz's work that, say, for example, when you're looking at a wall drawing, that what is actually considered like the artwork, for lack of a better term, isn't the physical installation in front of you, but it's the set of instructions. When did that first start to click for you and kind of how did you first understand it? That wasn't one of the first things that I, I learned. But then when I learned that, it was like, game over. I just felt like, oh my God, he's, he's one of the greatest. That must have really hit home for Daniel when a team of artists came to EMP to install wall drawing number 768. He said he really wanted to know what these other artists were working from. I, I was so curious about this recipe or the instruction and I, I assumed they would be like a folder full of information. So I asked them, I said, okay, how, where, where are the instructions? I want to see them. Okay, wish granted. Here they are. Gray, yellow, red, and blue. Not straight vertical brush strokes, not touching. The materials specified are India ink and color ink wash. And that's kind of it. Yes, there are diagrams and reference images, but Lewitt typically kept his instructions fairly simple. While he'd note line types and materials, a certain amount of interpretation on the part of the drafter was always an essential part of the work. And that mode of making, it really clicked with Daniel. And in that way, I feel like my food sometimes is very precise and we measure exactly where things are on the plate. And then we have other plates where it's much more free form and much more light in that way. So I, I feel the work of Soloit very much resonates with me. And then, of course, we write the recipes and I do need a team of people who will make these things day after day and uh, based on these recipes so the work can live on a daily basis. So it's very similar to Soloit's work. I love this. That a recipe, a set of instructions that leads to creative execution Let's that creative thing be alive. It makes the idea the art, less so the thing on the wall or the thing on the plate. It's pretty easy to see why this is important in cooking. Ultimately, you need to eat what's on the plate. But as it applies to visual art, it's part of what draws Daniel to the wit, particularly in the context of his restaurant and his own spin on fine dining. And, and I believe making it less precious, taking the pretension out of it, you can touch them, you know, if, if something happens to them, it's not like this precious thing. And, you know, sometimes people are curious about it, people touch it, or even like someone 
gets close to it with their chair. And it's not a big deal because the, the work itself on the wall, you know, we can repaint it. And it, it's not such a precious thing. I think he changed the game by that alone. Beyond the obvious parallels between instructions and recipes, Daniel is also a big proponent of minimalism, both in art and on the plate. Lewitt was a major figure in that movement, which included contemporaries like the artist Dan Flavin, Ava Hesse, and Agnes Martin. I asked Daniel about how that spirit influences his cooking. As someone who is not a chef myself, I'm wondering, could you give me a little bit of like a crash course in what you mean when you're talking about minimalist cooking? What I try to do with my food is always to honor the ingredients. You know, whatever I do to an ingredient, I want to highlight that ingredient in the highest form. To be honest, like at my early stages, some of my plates would have like, you know, eight different things and like 10 different techniques and like crispy element and the this and the that. And I just wanted to show the world everything I've learned, you know, in one plate. And it actually worked. But as time went on and, and as I reflected on, on the artworks that I have such strong feelings about, I realized that if I could have a dish with just two ingredients on it and I could impress the world just as much, then that would be the highest form. So I think as you grow as a craftsman, as an artist, your gestures become stronger, your conviction becomes stronger. Um, you, you can actually uh, get to a place where you can make an impact with a very minimal thing. My first dish where I really felt like that I did it for the first time was probably only four years ago. I spent 25 years learning about adding things, adding skill and adding knowledge. And now I'm feeling like I'm unlearning and undoing. And I'm probably going to spend the next 25 years trying to take away rather than adding. And the taking away has been much more challenging than than the adding. So what's guiding him through that process? Daniel tells me that there's a bit of a system behind his cooking these days, a set of guiding principles that help him do more with less. And I came up with sort of four fundamentals for my cuisine. Number one, it was beautiful. Visually, it's important. Number two, it's delicious, which... I always believed in that no matter how interesting it is, in the end of the day, it has to be delicious. Number three, it was creative and it, and it moved things forward. It, it added something to the dialogue of food. And then number four, it was intentional. There is a story to it. There is a reason for being. I feel like Solowit would be very on board with this. I don't want to oversell this, but this made me think a lot about Lowit's emphasis on systems and in his eyes, the possibilities they offer. Case in point, the four main styles of lines, which have become foundational to his wall drawings, vertical lines, horizontal lines, as well as diagonals from left to right and right to left. Lowit would later introduce all sorts of other lines, arcs, circles, and scribbles, and by the 1990s, even wavy lines and stars. As he said in an interview in 2000, 
sometimes inadvertent and casual things can set my ideas into another direction. I think it's always that balance of, of system and artistry, I think. But I think both of them are, you know, a very healthy tension to have. And um, for me, the four pillars is a way to systemize a little bit of our process by still leaving enough room or a lot of room for creativity. I want to get back to this idea of inspiration. Beyond the influence of Lewitt's process, there's also something very visceral about sharing space with this incredible artwork. And that experience of walking by it every day, that makes a difference. I feel so lucky to be able to live with a wall drawing here at 11 Madison Park. And when you have an empty plate or an empty piece of paper or an empty a white wall or a canvas, that the idea that anybody with the right idea can kind of change the world based on this empty space, an empty wall, an empty plate. And when I create, I definitely go always at it with sort of that ambition that what we will put on that plate, hopefully, well, definitely will give people beautiful experiences that will become lasting memories. But also it's possible to to do something on it that will inspire a whole industry. And uh, so that inspires me to no end. And, and, you know, seeing that wall drawing on a daily basis gives me that confidence that it is possible. Big thanks to Daniel Hume for speaking with us. I wanted to mention, this interview was recorded during the summer of 2020, when 11 Madison Park wasn't open for business as usual due to COVID-19. During the pandemic, the culinary team has taken on a new focus, repurposing the kitchen into a commissary, which provides meals for frontline workers and other New Yorkers in need. If you want to learn more about the work that 11 Madison Park and their partners are doing to address food insecurity, both during and beyond the pandemic, check out RethinkFood.org. Follow it, Variations on a Theme, is part of the Microsoft In Culture podcast. Follow us or subscribe wherever you're listening now. This season is written by producer Jordan Rothline and me, Desan Lopez-Cassell. This episode was edited and mixed by Nat Wiener and features original music by Angular Wave Research. Very special thanks to the estate of Solowit and to Lindsay Avier, whose research on Solowit has been integral to this project. This episode features a clip from Solowit on his work, an artist talk given at the New York Studio School on February 10, 1971. The audio recording appears courtesy of the New York Studio School of Drawing, Painting, and Sculpture. Solowit, Variations on a Theme, is a production of Microsoft in collaboration with Listen, a sensory experience company in New York City. Thank you.